Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. This is really what Jesus was saying about removing first the log in your own eye before you confront the speck in your brother's eye. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. As Pastor J.D. continues to discuss true love and speaking the truth to those we love, he challenges us to first examine our own behavior for the same sin we're about to confront. Yes, we need to speak the truth to others. However, we also can't forget to speak truth to ourselves. As we've all heard, we must first remove the log in our own eye before confronting the speck in someone else's. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Quite a picture here, isn't it? Picture two knives sharpening each other. Imagine the friction and the heat created by that sharpening process. There are those times, and especially in the context of the marriage relationship, where the friction, the heat, is good. In marriage, the the friction, the heat, in this incompatibility by God's design, is meant to bring those things out and to remove those things that have no business belonging in the heart of that husband and that wife. When my wife and I were first married, we had many conflicts, and God used that friction and that heat to remove those things that had no business taking up residence in our lives, let alone our marriage. Ephesians chapter 4, this is perhaps amongst my favorite passages in all the Bible concerning this matter. I'll read verses 11 through 16. The Apostle Paul, writing by the Holy Spirit, says, and by the way, as I read this, you'll have to bear with me as I try to keep and not lose my breath. It's all one sentence. This is all one sentence. I, When I was studying and preparing and reading and meditating on this passage, I found myself getting my asthma back. This is so, it's just, so bear with me. He says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, 
till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, immature, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. I wonder if he had those super apostles apostles in mind. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, But here it is, wait for it, (laughs) speaking the truth in love may grow up, grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body, growth of the body, for the edifying of itself in love. Wow. Try to unpack that. (laughs) By the way, um, after 2 Corinthians, we go into Galatians. And then, you know, the book after Galatians, Ephesians. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, especially when we get to chapter 4. Plan on this being a series in and of itself. <laughs> just this passage that we just read now. What's Paul saying here? He's saying we're all different parts of the same body. And there is this danger, even this propensity for the body to be dysfunctional. Let me illustrate this way. You know when The writer of Hebrews says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I think some translations render it gathering. Poor translation. I'll explain why in a moment. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the custom of some. It's an interesting illustration. The best I ever heard was this. It would be like taking a watch and gathering all of the parts together. Merely gathering them does nothing. They need to be assembled in order to function, to serve any purpose. This is why all of us as different members of the same body, we can be gathered together, but until we're assembled together, no growth takes place. There's no functioning. Nothing happens. And that's what Paul's saying. We're all different parts. We've been given different gifts. And for the edification of the body, every part of the body has to do its own share for the growth of the body. And when we're assembled together and we're functioning as we should, then the body is edified. And isn't it interesting that the body is edified in the context of speaking the truth in love? You know what that means? (laughs) It's not just from pulpit to pew. It's between you and you. I'm sorry if I pointed at anybody in particular. I probably shouldn't do that. In fact, I would venture to say that in some ways more ministry takes place after the sermon than is the case during the sermon. 
How do you know that that brother or sister in Christ doesn't have a word fitly spoken for you concerning that situation that you're in, concerning that decision that you're praying about? There have been many times, many years before I got into the ministry where just fellowshipping with other brothers and sisters in Christ, God would speak to me through them and even answer a question that I had been petitioning the throne concerning. Never underestimate a functioning and healthy body that is assembled together, each part doing its own share. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. This is actually, I'll call it, a template specifically directed more in the area of church discipline, but the principle itself is true across the board. Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Stop right there. You'll forgive me. We don't do that, do we? Let's be honest. Between you, me, and the Holy Spirit, let's be honest. Someone sins against you. Somebody says something about you. Somebody gossips about you. And you hear about it. Do you go to them? No. You go to everybody else. And here's the thing. When you do, what you'll find is the person who sinned against you, they haven't gone to you either. They've gone to everybody else but you as well. Well, let me continue. Maybe I'll try to explain this more in a moment. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But, verse 16, if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, established in the presence of two or more witnesses. That's the template, that's the principle, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So, verse 15, go to the person alone. If he hears and receives it, you've won your brother, it's, it's done. If he doesn't, then you have to go to verse 16, step two. And you have to bring in two or three witnesses that every word would be established. And verse 17, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church, speaking of the leadership. This is church discipline. But if he refuses even to hear the church, it's pretty strong. Let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Wow. Wow. Treat them like you would an IRS agent who's auditing you. <laughs> Is that bad? It's, it's after April 15th, right? So anyway, unless you filed an extension. Listen to Titus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. 
echoes the same thing. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them, and here's why. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. By the way, when we get towards the end of the chapter and this series, we're going to be reminded of what Paul did. He did exactly this in his first epistle when he said to the Corinthians, you think you're so loving? Oh, look at us. We're so loving. We accept everybody. So much so that they were accepting and tolerating a man who was having sex with his stepmom under the banner of love. And what does Paul do? He says, that's not love. You know what love is? Love is, and that's where the famous love chapter came. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is what love is, Corinth. That's not love. You know what love would be? Love is for you to kick him out of the church and give him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. (laughs) Whoa. That's love? Yeah. That doesn't feel like it's very loving. It is. If you really care about this guy, you need to do that. And what happens? They do it to their credit, as we'll talk about at the end of the chapter. He's restored. He's restored. And then it's kind of interesting because in 2 Corinthians, Paul has to rebuke them because they were still being too harsh with him. He said, forgive him already. Restore him already. He's repented already. It worked. You gave him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh because you loved him. That's true love. That's what true love does. That's what true love is. And it worked. He repented. And we're having a hard time restoring him. Listen, if you hear nothing else that I say today in our Second Corinthians study, please hear this. We are never to do this in an unloving manner. We are never to do this in an unloving manner. I want to read Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, and in so doing, I think it'll explain in large measure why it is that not only do we speak the truth because we love, but we have to speak the truth in a very loving way. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, keyword, gently, gently, kindly, softly. The proverb says a, a gentle word breaks a bone. A gentle word cuts to the quick. When I was growing up, my mom used to scream at me. 
I was such a bad, rotten kid. And I just drove her crazy. And she would scream in that voice with her thick accent, Wahido! Wahido! And that's all I really heard was when she would hit a certain tone and tune and tempo, I just went, you know, blank. I mean, I just I didn't hear anything. But when she would talk to me in a soft voice, it hit me. I know I've shared this before, and I know it, it's going to date me and most of you here today as well, but you remember that shampoo commercial from, I think this was back in the 70s, and it went something like this, if you want to get somebody's attention, whisper. <laughs> Look at you, you're all like, what? He's whispering. <laughs> Maybe you should do that more often, Pastor, because you're up there yelling all the time. <laughs> Sorry, it's from my childhood. <laughs> If you want to get somebody's attention, whisper. That's what the Proverbs is saying. You want to get somebody's attention. You want to speak truth to somebody. Do it gently. Do it softly. Do it lovingly. But watch yourselves. Or you also may be tempted. Oh, interesting. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And then he says this, If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. There is such a thing as being self-deceived. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. This is really what Jesus was saying about removing first the log in your own eye before you confront the speck in your brother's eye. Why is it that our sin always looks so much worse on somebody else. And by the way, how do you know that I have a speck in my eye were it not for that beam in your eye from which the speck in my eye came? We say it this way. It takes one to know one. Example. Someone says, Pastor J.D., you're so full of pride. Huh? How do you know what pride looks like? except that you possess it in your life. It takes one to know one. <laughs> That's the pot calling the kettle black. Me, what about you? Reminds me of what Stanley Volk, who's now with the Lord, said when, after a sermon he preached, a member of his church came up to him afterwards and said, Brother, you're so full of pride. To which he responded, brother, you don't know the half of it. That's a great answer. In fact, if you ever say that to me, you'll never do it now, right? But if you ever say that to me, that's how I'm going to answer you. You don't know the half of it. You don't know the half of it. Let me bring it to a close. And I'll do so by posing two questions. And 
Please know that I ask myself these questions as it relates to my willingness to speak the truth in love. Here's the first question. Do I, in my self-love, care more about the other person still liking me than I do about them and the destructive path that they're on? Here's a second question. Am I willing to offend someone into heaven, or am I instead only flattering them into hell because of my unwillingness to speak the truth to them in my love for them? I want to close with A.W. Tozier. For those of you who know A.W. Tozier and are familiar with his writings, you, like me, probably have a love-hate relationship with his bluntness. <laughs> I mean, here's a guy who tells it like it is. I remember many years ago in my devotions, I was really uh, reading a lot of A.W. Tozier, and I, I finally one day I just said, you know what, I, I closed the, <laughs> the Tozier devotional. I said, I, gotta, I, I need a break for just a, a, just a couple weeks. I'm starting to question whether or not I'm still saved after reading this guy sometimes. You know, I mean, just hit head on. Listen to what he says. I preach to my congregation week after week, and I pray that I may be able to preach with such convicting power that my people will sweat. Yeah, that's why, by the way, we have the AC so cold, so that... He says this, I do not want them to leave my services feeling good. (laughs) The last thing I want to do is to give them some kind of religious tranquilizer and let them go to hell in their relaxation. Wow. (laughs) The Christian church was designed to make sinners sweat. I have always believed that, and I still believe it. The messages preached in our churches should make backslidden Christians sweat. And if I achieve that objective when I preach, I thank God with all of my heart, no matter what people think of me. There's a little bit of the Apostle Paul in that, isn't there? Would to God that we would be numbered amongst those who love enough, care enough to speak the truth into the life of another. Thanks for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from the book of 2 Corinthians has blessed you and that you continue to seek God's hand in your life. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. You'll also find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Did you know you can also take In Spirit and Truth with you wherever you go? It's true. Using your Apple or Android smartphone, download our mobile app 
and have biblically sound messages available right at your fingertips. Links to the app are right on our website, in spiritandtruthradio.com. We'd also like to encourage you to find and join a local church community if you haven't already. Having a group of believers to support you and learn from God with you is a great encouragement. You too will have the chance to bless others with your own unique gifts and talents. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we would joyfully welcome you into our fellowship here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Our weekly services focus on studying God's Word and worshiping our Creator. Service times and directions can be found by going to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. That's all we have for you today here on In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again as Pastor J.D. digs deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians. With you.